Hey guys, welcome back to the Effortless Man podcast. So it's been a while, apologies for my absence, but we're back again with a really exciting episode today. I hope everyone's doing well with the whole craze of the coronavirus right now. Jesus Christ, what is going on? People are just freaking out uh, left and right. And I thought it was honestly all a joke to, to start off with. Like when I heard about all the news of the toilet paper, pretty much people are fighting over toilet paper and that sort of stuff. I thought, surely this is not real until I went to the supermarket myself and I was like, holy shit, there is no toilet paper. But the first thing that I actually realized was that I went in there just for a can of chickpeas because we were making something for dinner that night um, and I needed a can of chickpeas and there was no can of chickpeas and there was no can of beans and I'm super grateful that people are really digging the beans finally but also sort of bit pissed because people are, you know, eating all my beans, so to speak. So I didn't know so many people were a fan of beans, but obviously when the apocalypse come or that's how people are treating it, people are bean lovers to the core. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. So in this episode, despite... Um, you know, coming to you at pretty much at a weird time, as a lot of people would uh, would say, it, is pretty much with my best bud Anthony Salamitas. He is an international model. He used to uh, play for one of Melbourne's top soccer teams, and also has travelled abroad for his work as an international model, and also a very very introspective person. That's um pretty much really, really good at learning new skills. So, we talk about that. Um, He's pretty much learnt Italian. He's learnt boxing. He's learnt to play the drums, which I'm totally amazed about because all these skills that he learnt are totally brand new. He pretty much started from ground zero, but with the right attitude and the attitude that Anthony has and someone that you want to listen to today you know, you can pretty much accomplish and do anything. Also, if you haven't already, support the show. Go on the Apple iTunes page on where this podcast is and be sure to like. No, you don't like. That's freaking Instagram. (laughs) Go like the Instagram post, the Facebook post because we have an Instagram page and also a Facebook group page as well. So, do that. But subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this Go onto the podcast, Apple iTunes and write a review because it would help this uh, show get out to more people um, and I would really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. I will discontinue this blabber on and let us get into the crux of it. All right, I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. All 
right, guys. It is a beautiful Saturday afternoon. The sun is shining outside. We've got the curtains up and it is a beautiful environment to conduct this podcast episode today. And I know I always say this, but I'm super excited for today's guest who is sitting across from me right now. Um, it's not his first podcast as well, so I'm I'm a bit upset. Not upset. <laughs> that's the wrong word. That uh, I, I wasn't his first, but that's that's okay. It just means that the the experience has been built upon, and uh, we we got some really really interesting things to talk about today. Hey, that's all right, man. You know, your first is never that good anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the the person's voice that you just heard is not just any regular person. And I really, really mean that not just because he's the best man at my wedding next year, but also best mate. He is an international model, has done many, many incredible gigs overseas and is well known for his work and the way he conducts himself in Melbourne. He is a multi-talented man. So you will probably hear and what we'll talk about is many, many skills that this person exhibits. And one thing is which we'll really delve into is that he is a very introspective person, a bit like myself, who really looks from within and always questions, how can I be better? So with that that in mind, uh, I want to introduce everyone listening now to Anthony Selimides. Hello. Thank you for the introduction. It was uh, you said a lot of things there. I don't know what to respond to, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure being here, man. It's been um, it's been cool seeing your journey evolve, and now it's good to be a part of it. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, the thing is, Anthony and I have always had deep and meaningful conversations, you know, off air. So it was only due that we were gonna record it on air. Uh, with a certain agenda obviously but um, we always talk about so many interesting things and it's so hard to cover off so many things so we'll cover off a few of those but I'm sure there'll be more and more questions to be asked um, in the future so yeah definitely look every now and then we have a, a conversation that goes nowhere and we just end up sort of grabbing burgers but uh, <laughs> I think the, you know hopefully we get something out of this and it's always just good to chat with you. Yeah, you're right, man. It's just uh, it's just a good time to chat and put it out there on the airwaves, see what comes of it. Let's do it. So, yeah, let's get started. So, I, I sent you a few things that we want to talk about and one of those things, um, and let's get right into it, is you being a model. Mm. So I guess that's what sort of your occupation and your livelihood is and that's what you're sort of occupying most of your daylight hours with. Yeah, it's one of those funny um, occupations that doesn't necessarily have, you know, uh, regular hours as, as many of the, the listeners will probably guess. It's, um, it's a freelance position but uh, yeah, I... It's my it's my day job, so to speak. It's my Monday to Friday, um, nine to five. So if anyone's ever tried to catch up with me on a Tuesday, they know that they might have to, um, you know, withhold that until 
you know, Monday afternoon when I find out my uh, my definite schedule. So with that in mind, because we, we jokingly said about this, you know, as kids, because i known you for, would you say? Over- oh, yeah, we, it's got to be 13 years. So quite a long time and we always jokingly, you know, talk about being underwear models. Yeah, I don't know where, where we got that idea from, man, but for some reason... We did, we did joke about that. I think it's because we uh, were so obsessive about training abs. I think that's what it was, man. Abs and wide grip pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> the, the widest lats possible. Yeah. The kite physique, I call it. Got to get that V taper. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's where it all started. And for yourself, like, how did that come into fruition? Where did you take that initial concept and idea uh, which was even, you know, initially a joke into what you are doing today. Yeah, I think I think that joke, you know, in hindsight probably didn't have a lot to do with um, the decision. It was just uh, something that you and I mucked around with. But, you know, I had, I like I am tall, I'm, I'm 6'3", and, and I've had, I guess, family members as I was growing up saying, oh, you're very tall, you should be a model, this and that. And, and let's be honest, you know, you don't, usually take your family's compliments in that regard um, too seriously a lot of the time. Uh, so I never really considered it as an actual profession. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the long story short was was that uh, I found myself, you know, jobless. Um, I, I was um, involved in a, a hold-up at, a, um, at a, a bottle shop. I used to work at a bottle shop and I was held up and the protocols that ensued after that incident weren't, I didn't feel safe, I guess, after that. You know, there was no security changes. There was um, the the cameras that were being used. Uh, they never found the guy because the cameras were such, such low quality. So um, I ended up jobless and, um, and just sort of said, well, to hell with it. I just finished uni, I think, at the time. And I was uh, about to start a personal training cert three and four. And yeah, so I I sort of just said, oh, whatever, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll send off some photos and see what happens. And um, yeah, and that's another thing. Most people get scouted. Um, I didn't get scouted because a lot of the scouting ha- happens at um, music festivals and, and stuff like that. So my, my, my agents will, you know, will go to like underage music festivals or um, or maybe not underage, but like, you know, Taylor Swift or things that she might not necessarily be interested in. She's 35 and I don't think, you know, I think I can speak on her behalf. Uh, she's not interested in Taylor Swift. So she would go to those sort of things and look for, um, you know, it almost sounds creepy, but, you know, she she would just go up and approach someone that she thinks is is tall enough and appropriate. Wow. Yeah. So I never got, I never got approached and, and I guess, yeah, I sent off some photos and the rest is history. I, I actually... Um, went with the first agency that um, that it responded to me, which is, you know, if I was to give any advice to anyone in any walk of life, it would be, you know, take your time and see what your options are. Now, that was a good experience, but, it, you know, I'm, not, I'm no longer there. It probably wasn't the best place. Um, yeah, it probably wasn't the best place for me. How long was that ago? Uh, well, I'm 28 now, so that, I was 21 when I started, yeah. Yeah, so you've been in the industry for a long, long time. Yeah, I think seven years is is kind of getting to like grandpa stats, you know. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm definitely like one of the older 
um, circulating, like, you know, working guys. There, there's some older guys, um, but yeah, the the average age would probably be in your, your early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're practically a self-made model and worked your butt off uh, from the very get-go to earn your keep to, to where you are today? Well, I think like, like anything, you have to take responsibility for your wins and your losses. But I have been very lucky with my representation. You know, they, um, when somebody believes in you, it makes it a lot easier and they push for you and there's a lot that an organization or an agency or a coach or a mentor can do for you. And I've definitely been lucky in that regard. You know, that being said, I think, you know, luck, you do make your own luck. And I think probably um, working on relationships and and that sort of thing has been to my benefit in terms of um, being, you know, so-called like self-made. I don't know what a self-made model is. Like we're all, I guess, all models. Some models are, are, are not agency represented. So... I guess they'd be even more self-made if they're if they're doing well. Uh, I don't I don't know how easy that would be or how good that would be, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, look, there, there's really wasn't really a specific question, more so just to get your insight for you to recap in terms of where it all started, mm. and so. With this profession and I've heard your stories and the things that go well and the things that don't go well and all the in-between in this profession, how has that made you grown as a person? How has this profession, this day job, this nine to five, specifically in the modeling industry, how has that shaped you as, as a person? Oh man, that's a... Uh it's a hard one because of the amount of time I've been spending doing it. So, you know, it's hard to eliminate time as a factor and I guess just life experience and maturity. But, you know, there's certainly things that are, it's a very unique job um, for sure. So inevitably there's going to be unique um, benefits and detriments. And I think, you know, the main things that make my job unique would be um, kind of this dealing with with the ego and image. And that's something we'll definitely will get into. Yeah. Yeah, so ego and image. Um, I think that, you know, in a nutshell, what's different about my job a lot of the time is that I'm meeting new people almost every job, you know. it's and Maybe once a month um, or once every two months you'll, you'll have repeat clients and um, and some clients a little bit more often, but basically you're meeting new crews, um, new production managers, and it's a very transitive industry in general. So the marketing manager will change, the photographers might change, um, the the client that you've had for a long time will decide to go with a different photographer or stylist or whatever. So you're meeting so many people, and I think you know the the first thing I could say is that it's taught me to be um, quick at connecting with people, you know, because the Nobody wants to work with someone that they don't have any sort of affinity towards. You know, it's it's very hard, you know, to work, especially with models. I think that we we come with a stigma. You know, it comes with the territory. As soon as someone meets you, you're the model. They go, well, you're probably, you know, up yourself. Or um, and not everyone thinks that. Obviously, some people in industry have so much experience that they don't expect that. But most people 
um, probably come with a little bit of that. So it's your job quite early on to, well, it's my view that it's your job to to um, unveil that, to disarm them and bring the human element. And then it just makes the day go so much easier. And, you know, one thing that I try to pride myself on is getting repeat repeat bookings. So if I, you know, it might take me a long time to get a client, you know, maybe my agent has been sending my uh, my imagery to a certain client for a while saying we think you know we think anthony would be appropriate for this job and they they're not interested and then when they finally do book me i you know now that's my time like my agent's done their job it's my job to keep them yeah and that is actually one of the topics that i want to talk to you about today is social dynamics and yeah. that's something that i know that you're highly intellectual about and something that we've spoken about in the past off air before and when I mean social dynamics what I mean by it is how do you make the most of a situation and for Mm. yourself in your work like you said it's so transient it's so dynamic that you're dealing with different people all the time different clients different photographers so and largely big part of your success is like you mentioned just before is that being able to be rebooked time and time over again and that just goes to show that obviously what you're doing is achieving a consistent effect a consistent result so how do you have you i guess narrowed that down to what that is that you're doing well that is enabling you to get the most out of each social situation in in your particularly i guess in your work life right now um i i think like everything you know sometimes you you feel like you got a hold of something and then it slips you know and uh, so for the most part you know i do find myself getting rebooked and i do find myself having like good interactions with with clients and and other models but that's definitely not a general rule. I don't always get rebooked. And I think it's interesting you said, how did you put it? Like that I was intellectual about it or introspective about it. That's probably a good thing in a lot of ways, but also it can be a bad thing. So sometimes I try to let go of that because, you know, I don't want to overthink my social interactions. In the end, I want to have a good time and, and be authentic. And that's my ultimate goal is to be authentic. And I suppose you hope that being authentic is is what people like and that's probably the hardest thing you know socially in life is is being authentic and being okay with um the fact that you know if you are being yourself that there's going to be people who don't like you and there's going to be people who like you and i guess it's a difficult job in that regard because you really can't get away with having a bunch of people uh dislike you uh, they just won't book you again and yeah, so I guess in terms of narrowing it down, I think, you know, the first thing I try to uh, focus on in terms of uh, that side of things is just being kind and being accommodating without being a pushover. Yeah. You know, because it's very easy to become a pushover in, in any job. But let's say in my job, you know, clients um, might try to, you, you, you know, use you for a little bit of extra time they might not even mean it, but they haven't organized themselves and they kind of just expect you to stay and you're like, well, you know, no, you've booked me until three o'clock and, you know, I'll stay five minutes or whatever, but 
yeah, so it's a, a, a healthy balance yeah. of, I guess, kindness and, and accommodation. That, that's just, I guess, having respect for yourself and the value that you're bringing to the table. Yeah, and that's hard to do, you know. So for me anyway, and I know a lot of people fall into probably two different camps, you know. Some people can be overly nice and at times I, I find it hard to be um, – yeah, to respect my time and, and all that sort of thing. But I just remind myself that it's best for everyone, Yeah, you know, including the way the interactions will go in the future. Because if they don't respect me, then they're not, they're not going to value me. Yeah. And I guess with all social situations, there is one aspect which you can control, which is yourself. Yeah. And the other aspect is their reactions towards you. So, in terms of a bit of both, how do you control your interactions or how do you approach your interaction? Say, for example, you're meeting a, f- a client for the first time. Like, how would you approach that and what sort of vibe are you putting out there? Yeah, that's a rough one because, again, you know, authenticity is not always desirable. You know, if, you, if you're having a really average day and this is probably the hardest thing if there is anything, you know, to say that's difficult about my job and I'm obviously well aware of like, you know, how lucky I am to do what I do and it's it's certainly not, you know, technically a, a difficult endeavour necessarily but it would be, you know, if you're sitting in an office, or you know, five, five days a week with the same people and you have a rough day, no one, you know, it's like, all right, Vu's having a rough day, Anthony's having a rough day, don't worry about it. But if you're meeting a big client, and um, something's just happened in your family or whatever, you've you got to put that aside and, and put on a bit of a show because, you know, you're the, you're the one in front of the camera. And, and, and I know that's something that's happened to you recently during a trip in, in Milan when you were there. Hmm. Are you comfortable with going? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess when you said recently, I was trying to figure it out. It, it was a couple of years ago, but... um. Yeah, I had a. I went through a, a breakup. If that's what you're talking about. No. Okay. Then the, what were you talking about? Just one of your dogs. Oh, my dog. Yeah. Well, there you go. That was. Uh, that, that was, was more recent. recent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the other one was was just the same, I guess. You know, in terms of meeting clients on a on a rough day. But yeah, one of my one of my dogs uh, unfortunately passed away uh, really suddenly. She was uh, young. She was like, you know, well, she was seven or eight, small dog and really healthy and really chirpy. And I was on my way to, uh, I was just leaving my apartment in Milan to uh, to go to the airport for my last job of the trip. I'd been away for a few months and uh, yeah, I got a, I got a job that I was very happy about. You know, I was really excited. It was, um, it was a good way to end, to end the trip. And I got a, I got a call um, from my mum uh, back home saying that my, my dog had died, um, she was in an accident. So that, uh, yeah, and obviously that shook me up and I then had to go to the airport and meet with, you know, all the other models and clients and um, the director and the owner of the brand and it was, you know, it was a really big brand. It was a, it was a good opportunity. I've worked with them before but it was, you know, yeah, it was, it was not the time to be mourning and but it you know life doesn't wait um and i and i know that that's difficult for everyone in 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 any job um but yeah i do find that challenging what was the mental switch that you made at the time that enabled you to 
overcome that not overcome it like right away in terms of the morning but more so the initial shock of it and to know that you still have to deliver and you were there for a purpose and you were there to do a job what went through your mind at the time that enabled you to still meet with these clients and still uphold your responsibilities and be the best Anthony that he could be at the time well yeah I don't know if I if I did that but I what I tried to do was I had a bit of time to kind of let it hit me you know on the, on the metro and then on the plane on the way there after I'd met everyone and so I you know went through the motions but I guess it was basically just acknowledging that this is not something I can deal with right now and that it's not going to change I don't I don't think that you know stuffing emotions like down and thwarting them is a is a healthy thing but I think you know for for the sake of a a day or two it's probably you know that's just the only way to do it otherwise you can't perform yeah maybe a younger and less experienced me would have wouldn't have handled it as well as I did but I think you know it went it went all right and in the end like I I think that selfishness has has its place in in everything but I'm there for a job and I acknowledge that uh, I've been paid to do something and life goes on so yeah I, I took my time to I guess you know grieve afterwards yeah and that's really important as well isn't it to actually acknowledge and give it the time and the emotional energy that that sort of situation requires um, yeah. not then and there being able to be mature and be experienced enough to know that you know life needs to go on right now but I can attend to that later and I think that is so key and so powerful and something that you know anyone listening in now can can take a hold of and somewhat implement into their life 100% how do, well how do you deal with that in, in your experience in the past when you've had um, when you've had to go into work or had to to meet people or go to a party or something that you were obliged to attend you know I don't yeah you know me I am um, normally unless I really have to I'm more of a less of a social person so in terms of being out with big groups and stuff like that so if I can I'll avoid it but if I can't then pretty much how I would approach that situation is in in any situations and especially when this comes to you know past traumas that I've been in and a lot of people because I haven't mentioned it before but you know I've been in three car crashes yeah and all in the span of 12 months and two of them being pretty big car accidents as well and yeah well for the listeners like Vu ended up in a a wheelchair uh, for at least one was it two uh, for for one of them one and of the them. other one I was on crutches and it was just yeah yeah and that's probably something you know your listeners could get something out of because I have to say like as a as a and as a observer as a friend that was a really inspiring time it's actually something that I come back to you know every now and then I think about specifically Vu's attitude towards what happened to him during that time you know like a lot of people myself included you know I, I I'd be feeling pretty jaded and sorry for myself if if I was in three car accidents that you know and they were they were not of your fault 
Um, no. So there were just people, I don't know, either drunk or I can't remember the circumstances, but it was it was definitely not Vu's fault and um, that'd be very easy to to be jaded about, but you, you got on with it and just, you know, and just said this is what happened and this is what needs to happen now. Yeah, and I guess without taking the limelight, away from you because this is an interview. Uh, nah, man, that, it's a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> is that if I was to quickly break down in terms of my thought process in all three situations and, and for someone that's listening to this podcast to take away from is that I, I know it's probably bad but it's just me as a person, it's innate and it's how I personally deal with problems is that I, I start to go into solutions orientated mode straight away so there's nothing wrong with that man yeah and how that works is that i within a span of a few milliseconds accept wholly what has happened because i believe that any trauma that we experience in our life that be physical or, or emotional or both which is at the time is that the quicker we can accept you know what has happened to us the quicker we can sort of move along and so that's what I did. I accepted. Then from there on, it was pretty much like what needs to happen to get me back on track or what needs to happen in terms of processes and in terms of steps to get me back to where I need to be. Mm. And so it was... It's much my- easier said than done because, you know, you're taking the emotion away from it and saying this is what needs to happen and that's it. You know. Yeah, and I and I I think I explained it to to someone before is that I sort of take myself into a third person and look at it like from like a like a bird's eye view. Like, all right, this just happened to this person, and then so for that person to get back on their feet, which is literally what needed to happen at the time, was that what needs to happen? And it was just like, oh yeah, I need to get there in terms of the, the specific car crash, I need to get their details. I need to call my now fiance. I need to sort out insurances. I need to start taking certain supplements that's going to help me heal quicker and deal with inflammation. I need to do certain rehab exercises. So all those things were going in my mind in terms of the steps, the chronicle steps, uh, chronological steps that I needed to take to get back to square one. So... Mm. Textbook stuff, guys. <laughs> you can't teach that. So, yeah. So, I guess that's uh, in terms of trauma and sort of how, how to deal with that. And just back on the whole social dynamics thing for you is, you know, um, you had to go through that and, and, and I guess, um, you know, ha- have a front. So Yeah, so to speak. So, take that into your personal life. How does Anthony, because you are the oldest of the household, in terms of out of your siblings, how do you be pretty much the man of the household when you need to be and have that front? Mm. I think, yeah, I think when you need to be is the key there because you know, a lot of the time I don't think I'm necessarily the man of the house. You know, I'm, I can be, you know, I can joke around and be pretty childish and I'm also, I try to be very open and... And, uh, yeah, genuine in my communication with my family. So, you know, that's not always considered, uh, you know, alpha trait, I suppose, you know. But I try to set an example as well because I think that, you know, going back on emotional squashing, I I think that's – I'm not a very – 
woo-woo kind of guy. But I think that, you know, thwarting and compartmentalizing your emotions for a long period of time, you know, can cause disease, you know, if not um, mental than physical. And uh, I don't need any evidence, I guess, to to at least make me think about that because in the end, um, all, all it takes is an emotion for our heart rate to go up and, you know, cortisol to be released and all these hormones and stuff. So there is a physical element to all emotion and mental uh, trauma. So anyway, getting back on track, I, I do I do try and set an example like that. And I suppose, you know, you could argue that maybe that is um, what the man of the house should do. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really think of myself as the man of the house. My, I, you know, my, da- my dad's at home and he's, you know, he's plenty, plenty man enough uh, for the house. But I think in different ways, you know, um, when when things have happened, I tend to keep a pretty cool head, and and that's really what it comes down to. It, it is, and you know, it, not to take away from what you said, it, it's exactly like that for me too. I try to I try to be um, logical and analytical when when things happen, and I think that's been, yeah, I think that's been beneficial for me at home. And I don't know how much of that's come from what I've had to do, you know, in my profession but i think that's something that i've had you know for a while Mm. and knowing you and your family intimately and just to touch on a point that you mentioned is that you know that your family and and like all families and obviously because i know you more intimately has gone through a lot yeah and and there's been times that you know in in speaking to you at the time that you know, Anthony had to step in and take charge, so to speak. But just to touch on what you said is, you know, I feel like the success of that going well and why your family are so strongly bonded together. And when I mean strongly bonded together is like I've, and this is like, I guess, kudos to you and your family. And I openly mean it is that I've never seen a family bond as much as you do. Yeah, and, right. you guys. That's nice, and we and we we bond in in different ways. You know, some families like I don't go fishing with my dad. You know what I mean? Um, I don't. Uh, there's a lot of things we don't do, but we are very open in our communication, and it's something that I think you know comes with uh, experience and um, experiencing trauma in life and stuff. And I, I just kind of got to the point personally where I went, you know. Sometimes there's uncomfortable conversations that you don't want to have with your parents. I've had all those conversations with my parents and it started out a little bit awkward. But, you know, in the end, um, I think open communication and honesty, it shows respect as well. It's, it shows that you value the opinion of, of, of your family in this case. You know, I, I, I'm happy to talk to my brother and sister or my mum and dad about um, various things because I do value their opinion and I also want them to know what's going on with me and I think that it invites someone else to do the same because I want to know what's going on with them you know maybe it's just me maybe I'm a bit you know <laughs> I don't know sick in the head and I just want to know I want to I, I like connecting you know so I want people to feel comfortable and so I think I probably um you know, set the tone by doing that. And then it feels weird if they don't do it back. (laughs) Yeah. And by doing so, and something that I'm learning more and more, and I think it's just the dynamics of our, 
the way we were brought up and the dynamics of our our family relationship is that and that's that's a contrast that i see that that is beneficial in your your family and your relationships that i want to be more in, in my life is to have that open communication and to reflect back on my family coming from a very traditional vietnamese family it's like a lot of the things go unspoken so they're not really out there so problems aren't really dealt with and words are so powerful and as we know conversations are so powerful and that's something that you know we're trying to do more so now in our families to have if there's an issue or there's some sort of conflict is to have that open conversation i just think it's uncomfortable initially but then everyone will be better off for it anyway. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, you know, they say you can't choose your family, you can choose your friends, but you, you, love is something you do as well. You know, it's not just something you feel. I think it's a, it's a verb, right? And so you can actively love someone. You can actively love yourself. You can um, practice self-love. So it, it goes the same with your family if you say, okay, I, you know, this is my mum. I didn't choose her or my sister, but I can actively, you know, connect with her and, and show her love. And, and uh, that's the value of family to me is that you are forced to be, well, not everyone is, and some people are in obviously less fortunate posi- positions with, with family conditions and stuff like that. But for the most part, like, you know, a lot of people, it, it's, it's a, a medium that can teach you loyalty and, yeah, consistency in a way. I don't know how else to put that, but you have to be there for each other or or you don't. You can you guys can I guess go your separate ways, but um uh, I think it's a good learning lesson for what what's to come in the future if you want to let's say get married where now you're with someone and it's, it's you know, I have no credibility in this. I'm not married, but I have been in a, I was in a long-term relationship and you know, you there's times where obviously it's not simple or or natural or easy and you just you just kind of have to treat them like family and if you don't treat your family like family then you don't know what to do yeah okay so let's uh let's change it up gear and change it up (laughs) because you talked about you touched a bit about self-love so let's go on to one of the things that i really want to pick your brain on and and we touched about it at the start which is ego yeah okay and I think this really ties well into the whole profession that you're in and how like your interpretation of that and your how you understand that and how you deal with it on a day-to-day. So mm. this is going to be a tricky question, but like can can you in your definition explain what the ego is? Oh uh the ego to, in my definition that is a tough one man i think you know everyone has their own idea of what it means to be egoic and um i'll preface this by saying i don't think the ego is a bad thing uh i don't think yeah i don't think any well there's obviously extremes and in every situation you know anger in an extreme ways is, is um, destructive jealousy is toxic um 
But I don't think that these things should be thwarted. They're human emotions and we should understand them and feel them. So, so I guess with that as a preface, I think the ego is, it's all about preserving the self. Um, and the, where, the, where, the, where the problem comes in with the ego, which makes sense, by the way. Like we are, in the end, depending on your belief system, right? But let's just be scientific for a second. Like we're just DNA that wants to propagate and diversify. And that's why we have the urge to reproduce sexually and all that sort of stuff and to stay alive, obviously, um, long enough especially to reproduce. Now, I'm sure there's we can have a discussion about, you know, further spiritual elements of that and, you know, we don't just have kids and raise them and then decide we're we're done with this planet but there is a reason for the ego the problem comes from where i think you know insecurity and the ego come together and when we when we're misinformed about for for example you know um someone might feel that they can't express a certain emotion that they're feeling and their ego will get in the way and try to protect them and so they'll put on a front but in reality a tr- if they were truly egoic in a in a perhaps a positive way in a way that propagates them forward and the people around them they they would probably be better liked if they were just honest about that do you know what i mean it's a complicated position it's a complicated debate because sometimes i think we all know people that we feel, uh, let's say, you know, consumed with the ego. And a lot of the time, it's doing the opposite of what their ego wants to do, which is to make them look good, to make them liked. Um, and so it's a real uh, paradox. The ego is such a paradox because if you give into it too much and get consumed by that, you end up in at the bottom of the barrel of i guess yeah what you would expect the ego to do for you so my job is it doesn't have a lot more to do with the ego than other jobs in in the respect that every job there there's there's a sense of achievement success social hierarchy yeah all those things now the where it gets dicey in modeling is that it's it's appearance based and i think that's probably what most people think of when they say oh it's so and so's full of themselves or a, an ego head so in that regard i have to yeah i have to deal with i guess the the idea that my job is based on that and somehow reconcile my own personal feelings of ego the what the job requires and how to stay you know mentally across that and aware because you're not going to get rid of it but aware of what's going on and healthy yep so so the premise of the ego is from my personal interpretation understanding is for survival and replication yeah okay so it is there to protect us yeah and more often than not without proper you know not being introspective people is that we let that get in the way and really hamper on our our relationships and certain outcomes yeah so 
Yeah, so it's really interesting what you said about, you know, how to discern that from your personal life and your work life. Was that a big hurdle because your job is so based on appearance? Was that a big hurdle to get over or to understand or get a grasp of when you first started in the industry? Yes, yeah, it was. And I'm still probably coming to terms with it. But, you know, I think the first thing that I would say is that I don't, think that the, this job has anything to do with well I won't say nothing to do with but it has everything to do with um, beauty necessarily it's in the end models are marketing tools so if if beauty was not um, desirable by the market then models wouldn't be beautiful if that makes sense um, for lack of a better word but you know and there are there's many jobs out there depending on the market, particularly the Australian market, where they, let's say they're doing commercials. If you look at like commercials, car commercials or whatever, uh, they, the actors in those commercials will be people that they want people to relate to. They're not like 23-year-old, six-foot-four like models or they're, they're like guys that would be driving a land cruise or whatever because no, one, no one's going to relate to that. No one's going to be – it's not aspirational. Um, so – with that being said, yeah, it's hard because like in anything that you do, you want to do it well. Hopefully, you want to do it well, right? And so if you're ambitious, you want to do it well. The problem with modeling is that you can acquire skill sets and you can change your appearance a little bit. But in the end, it's just – it is what it is. Like th- this is your bone structure. This is your skin color. This is your race. This is your gender. And if you're within, I guess – the the range of measurements that they want then that's it and so you kind of just have to let go and you know a lot of people ask me what would I recommend them do if they want to get into modeling and I say well just just apply and and you know if it's appropriate for you then good and if not it's not you know if it wasn't if it wasn't right for me if all of a sudden I wasn't right for the market I'd I'd leave you know I'm not trying to do something that isn't for me yeah but in terms of moving the ego aside it is hard again for that reason that you want to get better so you're like well how can i you know when i first started i was like well how can i look better how can i be more appropriate for the jobs is it you know why didn't i get this job i went to the casting and there was another guy who was you know more muscular or whatever like it's just ridiculous stuff like that that it does unfortunately um, put into your head in the early days. But now I guess having done it for seven years and like having a bit of experience, I'm able to I'm able to put that aside and say, all right, that wasn't for me. You know, one door closes, another one will open. And the ego has very little to do with that now. It's just something that you have to, I guess, keep, keep in check because, you know, you're getting – it's as much as you can consolidate those thoughts and, and come to terms with them. When you go – when you're in an environment where – certain ideas are being propagated you know like you're getting compliments or people are talking you know the thing is because for me to be good at my job i have to let's say look good right yeah so instead of instead of them saying wow you're doing a great job with your i don't know your calculations on that air wing you engineer you (laughs) (laughs) i like you know they're, they're like you look good and then so it's hard to when you're in that environment to delineate that 
you know, and they're just trying to, they're just trying to give you encouragement, which is good. It's feedback. It's feedback. Yeah. Um, and obviously they can say things like, oh, you know, you move well or you're, you're very efficient and, um, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it, it's something you have to continuously remind yourself of that like, this is just work and it has nothing to do with who I am. Yeah. What's the biggest downfall that you've seen for people nowadays and where the ego can get in the way and have you found a way to recognize that and to you know through obviously my throat's gone nuts (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 how excited we are when we're talking about the whole ego yeah it's bubbling um in terms of work did you mean in terms uh, of no, my, not just work and personal in personal life, you know, friends, family, people that you know. Like, where have you seen the the topic or the the representation, of the ego, really getting in the way? And how does one recognize that? Is there a set of guidelines or things to look out for to to know that yes, the ego is getting in my way and it's not serving me right now? Mm. That's a hard one to answer, but the the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, when people uh, try to tell you things that they're doing to make themselves look good, you know, yep. they're, they're bragging or boasting, let's say. And I, I'm absolutely, I do this sometimes. And it's interesting the way you worded that question because I don't think that the way I handle it is the best way necessarily to handle it, you know. Um, I handle it by you know, naturally being introspective and uh, self-aware, hopefully. So I'll I'll say something, and I'll realize, oh man, I just I really just wanted to tell someone that I did that. You know, that's not how I want to be, and I find that unattractive. You know, as a quality in other people, so then I find that unattractive in myself, and it's something I want to correct. But I, the way you worded it was like, how do you avoid that? And I I think I avoid it preemptively. You know, which is um, maybe not always the best way to do it. Yeah. And that's not to go and say that don't celebrate your wins in no, life. No, absolutely not. No, you should. You should. It's just I think everyone knows when they're, when they're you know, looking for praise. And okay, I think I've thought about this and I think what needs to happen you can reverse engineer it. So why are you looking for that praise? Why are you looking for that attention? And oftentimes it comes from a feeling of lacking. You you don't need anything if you're not lacking something. So you feel like people might not appreciate you for who you are or you need to prove yourself for people to like you. A lot of the times it comes from just, you know, I guess love like you want it sounds silly but like you just want to feel loved you want to feel accepted and you want to feel like you're valued and you are justified in your social group in your family in your on earth whatever so i i I do try to remember that i'm not defined by my success and because if you allow yourself to be defined by success then you know you become defined by your failure or if you're defined by compliments, then you become defined by the insults. Uh, somebody important said that, and I don't remember who, so apologies if you're alive or 
or gone. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did hear that somewhere, and that's that's very I'm true. Sure I, I said that. Was it you? <laughs> it was. That's your quote. It's not my quote, but okay, I maybe think we, you reminded we spoke me that. about that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's embarrassing. Well, yeah, this is Vu's podcast. It's been fun. Uh, <laughs> but you did say something. Someone important. So I'll someone ta- important. I'll take there you that. go. Yes. Yeah, so and. So you obviously, I guess you obviously agree with that. You know, you can't get caught up with with that sort of thing, and it's it's very easy to, right? Mm. Do you find, you know, now that you've, um, I mean, Vu's started a few businesses, well, certainly one business, and now the podcast. Do you find it hard to delineate um, compliments and and your feelings of of success from your ego? Yeah, and I, uh, it's it's. A matter of being self-aware, I think that is the key. And I totally agree with you there when you said that, you know, when you're fishing for compliments or praise is that when you are coming from a place of lacking. And, And it goes back to the whole survival and replication is that we all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. We all want to be part of a community. So anything that's gonna increase our chances of doing that for example compliments or praises then of course we're going to jump on that but there's a really a fine line of doing that excessively Mm. and and i guess making you feel better about yourself and there's also i guess the difference between that and having it benefit you in terms of providing that motivation to become better and to do more as opposed to just making you feel good. Yeah, very hard to to separate those things. Yeah, so I think that's a fine line that nowadays I'm really trying to, to cultivate and to understand and exactly like the quote that we're talking about is that, you know, when you overindulge compliments, you become pretty much prone to insults absolutely so you got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad you can't just take all the good yeah and just you know just think the bad won't come yeah yeah and the more you chase that uh the worse it's going to be because you know i've gone through periods where like i've had a couple of jobs in a row or like a couple of weeks in a row where it's just gone so well and then i'm on a high and i'm like yeah i'm good at this you know i'm valued and then you have one bad experience and it's like a crash you know so there's an element of stoicism i guess that you you should employ in life i think just just it's not even stoicism necessarily it's just perspective it's just going is this is this compliment actually important do i need to get riled up and like excited about this on a deep level or can i just appreciate it you know and then move on because you're inevitably going to come up against um, adversity and you can't ride that wave and just be this emotional roller, you know, on this roller coaster. Let me ask you one question. Yeah. How does one take a compliment? Is there a <laughs> right or wrong way? It's a great question, man. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely wrong ways, I think. Um, well, it's all subjective, isn't it? But I know that in my case when I've given compliments to people so it's just I guess in my own life experience you know when you give someone a compliment and they they completely ignore it and like compliment you back I don't I don't find that humble 
I don't know. I it, Depending on the situation, if you've given a really genuine compliment, I don't like that false humility, you know. I, I like when someone can take a compliment and say thank you and and then maybe come back with another one if they if they wish to do so, you know. But um, yeah, completely just, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel genuine to me, you know. So if somebody gives me like a genuine compliment, a really genuine compliment. How would you approach that? I would, I would say, I would hopefully, well, I'd, I'd be kind of watching for if I think it's genuine or not. I would, I'd try and figure that out. And then, well, you feel that. I'm not, I'm not thinking about it. And then I would just say, thank you. Thank you very much. And I'd say it means a lot to me if it did. And I'd then probably elaborate, you know, so if somebody, I don't know, what's a compliment? If somebody said your, uh, I don't know, your your piano technique has improved so much and I know it has, I would say thank you. You know, I've been working on this and this and this because I, I always assume um, for better or for worse curiosity and a zest for for that energy that they're complimenting on. Like even if it's not direct, even if it's not they're not a piano player, I'll, I'll, I'll try and... I don't know. It's a conversation starter to me, a compliment. So I think if somebody can't take a compliment, it it can be a little bit off-putting, don't you think? Yeah. And I think it comes from a place of incongruency. So if you compliment them, for example, or someone compliments you on your piano skills and Mm. you know for a fact that your piano skills are shit, (laughs) then you're like, well, yeah, it's it's incongruent. Yes. Yeah. It sets up... A strange relationship paradigm you know you start thinking well how how authentic is this person and what sort of integrity does this relationship have I'm, I'm all about honesty you know I try I try and be as honest as possible so that when I do give a compliment as well and I guess this is the other side of it when I do give a compliment people most people who know me well are, are grateful for that compliment because they know that I've got no problem telling them that something's shit <laughs> you know whatever yeah and that's something I appreciate from you and that the openness of communication and that transparency is that, you know, when, when I do get a compliment, I know that it's genuine and that I can appreciate it so that's much good. more. And I think I said this to you is that, you know, and this is, comes from a place of, of experiences that in the past and especially with starting up you know, Vusion, which was my food business, is that at the very start, I got compliments all the time and not to talk myself up, but that was just the, the matter of the truth. <laughs> it was good food. <laughs> it still but I know was, what you're saying. Yeah. And then after a while, it's just like, well, I will, I guess, more so modulate and filter those compliments and those people that matter, those people that are genuine then those are the compliments that I would really take on board and really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to be honest. So like if someone doesn't know you that well and they're trying to make a good impression and they've come to Vision and they've tried something and they're like, yeah, you know, they might say to their partner, that's all right, like it's, I've had better, which they wouldn't have by the way because it was so good. But they – and then they go, yeah, yeah, it's great. We love it, you know, and it's just – it's so easy to do that but – um, it becomes like a participation award. Like, you know, it's like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, give me some real, yeah, I don't know, some real feedback. And then 
it, it assumes people won't be able to handle, you know, the truth. So it, it's it's sort of in a weird way, like almost like disrespectful if you don't give somebody the truth, especially when it's something like that. I'm not saying there's not a place for white lies. I think that's a, you know, it's a tough topic anyway. I mean, I, I try to avoid even white lies, but I'm sure there's a time and a place for a white lie. Absolutely. Um, but for the most part, if you approach all your conversations like that and if your relationships are based on, you know, honesty, then the whole dynamic changes. You know, you start asking questions that you are willing to get the answer from, you know. You're not going to ask questions you don't want to know the answer to because you assume that the words that come out of, you know, the other person's mouth are going to be honest. But you don't ask unnecessary questions. And just on the whole topic of compliments, what's your understanding of when you offer people a compliment and they sort of deflect it? What, what's your understanding of what's going through? Because I'm sure that more often than not that the people are listening now can actually resonate with that with either giving the compliment and someone just deflecting that or receiving the compliment and having deflected. So what's your understanding of what's happening in that dynamic when when that's happening? Yeah, well, it's it's easy to look at from above. Um, and I, I probably still do it. You know, I, I pull myself up on it sometimes as well in terms of deflecting compliments. And I think there's probably two main reasons. And the one reason would be genuinely disagreeing with the compliment, you know, a, a poor self-esteem in in the field and this is assuming a genuine compliment right so someone said a genuine compliment yep. and and then you go on nah, nah it's not that good or whatever like yeah and that's probably because you're not feeling good about it and like let's say while we're on the topic of i guess my job and modeling there, there's so many models that um you know believe it or not you know the top model i've met some of the the, the top models in the world and they're insecure you know and so they genuinely don't um, see what you're seeing so when you compliment them they're, they're not they're not Recycling likely to receive it. no exactly and the other one would be I don't know maybe some kind of ego um, transfer so that you're not so that you don't look you know so you can be more likable so that you know people don't think you're um, too up yourself which which is you know when, when you when somebody observes that and actually notices it again. I think it does the opposite effect. I think it looks like it looks like fake humility. You know, there's a quote by um, I don't know who actually said this. If it was Bruce Lee, sure was it me again? <laughs> yeah, I could have been booing you in. <laughs> um, no, I think it was Bruce Lee who said. You know, somebody asked him about his skill or something, and he said, "If I tell you I'm, I'm no good, I'd be lying." Um. Oh, I think I've screwed this up. <laughs> I think he said, if, you, if I tell you I'm good, I'll be boasting. But if I said I wasn't good, I'd be lying. Right. And you'd know that. Right. So, and it's true, you know, Bruce Lee was obviously like so good at what he did that humility is a fine line. It's it's something that has to come from an authentic place. And it's something, I think it's always nice when someone recognizes that they're good at something, you know, and allows us to um, admire them as well and, and look up to them a little bit. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like the topics that we've covered so far, like ego, social dynamics, it's these things, it's like there's really no right or wrong or it's not linear and it can be 
different from situation to situation. Yeah, you've got to be dynamic with it. And that's why it makes human interaction and the conversations we're having right now so damn interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it's, it's my perspective against your perspective and uh, so forth, like hypothesize collective perspective. Yes. It's yeah. like what's right, what's wrong, what's okay, what's deemed, I guess. Taboo you know, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's what I, And that's what I love about a good chat and, uh, and obviously why, why we've enjoyed chatting together you know, over the years, because I think that you're very open like that, you know, it's, and it is a, your perspective versus mine, but it's also a, it's not in an offensive way in the, in the sense of, I guess, like a martial art, it's not offensive. It's also receptive. It's not just, here's my, here's my opinion. And then here's mine and who wins. Um, a good conversation is, is done by two listeners who can, uh, who know when to talk, I think, you know, and that's what people appreciate, you know, that, I think for those of you out there who've um, who've read How to Win Friends and Influence People, you you will be familiar with this. But um, and first of all, that that title sounds very. I remember I never wanted to read that book because it sounded very conniving. It sounded manipulative, right? And I don't know. One day, I guess I was feeling conniving and manipulative, <laughs> and I I picked up the book and I started reading. And it it could not be further from the truth. It's um. It's very much about making genuine connections and um, the way that symbiotic relationships can come about. So, yes, you are winning friends and having influence, but we all have influence. Influence is not an inherently bad thing. In- influence is necessary you know, in society. But what's happening is that you're getting that through um, – uh, what do you call it? Co. It's not codependency, but yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. You're both getting something out of it. And one of the things that he spoke about, <clears throat> excuse me, was good listening. And he, he spoke about a conversation that he had with um, with an elderly gentleman at a party. And he he basically finished this interaction. And the guy said, you know, you are like one of the best conversationalists I've ever had, like, you know, met and i'd love to chat more and i'd love to collaborate and he was a successful man and the moral of the story is that dale carnegie's conversation he 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 said he only said a few words but he prompted the the kind of question he gave him the kind of questions that prompted this man to open up and and a lot of us just want to be heard a lot of people just want to be heard right so when you it's such a gift you can give someone when you listen to them you know, and it's actually hard being on a podcast because I find like I know you want me to speak, but I naturally like to give and take as much as I can because I know how good that feels when someone gives that to me, and so I try to I try to give that back. Um, and that's yeah, it's hard to do. You have to, I guess, yeah, be self aware. Um, and I've had that experience in my own life. You know, just recently I had a conversation with. Um, it was actually very similar. An older an older guy, very successful. Um, I was at a, a dinner in, in um, Auckland and um, yeah, I, I hardly, this guy doesn't know anything about me but we we finished and he was like, oh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I'd you know, love to chat again and you know, all the, it was just, it was very interesting because I, I was genuinely curious about him though. That's the thing, you know, you can't fake that. You can yeah. always find, you can usually find something that you can learn from someone or that you're curious about. I think that is so key 
being open no matter who you talk to because you might be talking to a five-year-old kid but if you close off the possibility of learning something from this five-year-old kid or in your case an elderly man at a party then you already cut yourself short in terms of your ability to learn and to evolve yeah and you pretty much limit your your ability to be curious that it's so interesting you say that man because that to me that is the like the kind of elixir of life you know curiosity because i think if you think about someone who's like you know depressed right it's it's a sort of apathy it's uh it's it's almost the opposite of curiosity. It's, it's very hard to be curious and interested and and have this desire to find more and also be apathetic. You know, I might be speaking out of turn there, but I feel like I've experienced both ends of of those um, those feelings. And yeah, curiosity is is just such a life giver. You know, because you by definition you you want to know more. So you want to step forward in life. You want to keep going. You want to keep living. You want to keep experiencing. Yeah. So when have we stopped being curious? Well, you know, probably you and I have been have been pretty good with that. But there's times there's times where I've felt less curious. But most of the time, yeah, I, I do feel curious. And I think that's something that I really uh, like about myself, I guess, you know. And from from your understanding or from your perspective, where does that curiosity stem from? I have no idea. I've thought about it. I think that it's something you can exercise, you know, like imagination, something that you can uh, you can foster. But I'm not sure. Where do you think it comes from? That's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. Put me on the spot there. Hey, it's, it's, it's your question. <laughs> I, you know, to, to, to think of it off the top of my head where curiosity stems from, I think is, and this is coming from my perspective, is wanting to be better. Yeah, I was, yeah. As I was thinking about it, it has to come from a desire to learn and the desire to learn has to be driven by a desire to improve or acquire knowledge which would, you know, improve something. So yep. that's, that's fair, yeah. And probably once again leads back to our whole ingrained purpose is survival and replication. There we go. <laughs> what, what's his name? Who's the guy who said you wanted to... The, the philosopher who said you wanted to like marry your mom and kill your dad? I don't know. If you're know not familiar name. with that, guys, that would have sounded very weird. But anyway... <laughs> Oh, I forget his name, but there was a, a psychologist, um, not Jung, not uh, anyway. Someone in the comments will will let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, it's all about like survival and replication, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, anyway, I thrive on being curious. And I I've mentioned previous before is that you know when you are depressed, you can't be curious. Yeah. And it's very hard to, yeah. And I, and I found that oh, when I'm not curious and when I'm not learning, I'm not progressing, that's when I feel depressed. Mm. Like depressed is obviously a very strong 
medical terminology, but to a lesser extent. Yeah, like, somewhere on that spectrum. Correct. Yeah, away from content and, and happy and zestful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like in terms of achieving the most out of your life and to gain the maximum amount of fulfillment is if I was to give any tip to anyone now is to continue to be curious. Absolutely. Continue to learn and continue to be open to any and all interactions. Yeah. Agreed? Uh, mate, 100%. Couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself, you know? <laughs> no, really, that that's... Um, yeah, continuing to be curious, fo- just fostering that. You know, whenever you find yourself being curious, I think it, you owe it to yourself to to go down that path. You know, whatever it is that spikes that, it could be it could be anything. And that leads me into a very very interesting topic, which I also want to talk about. Is that Anthony has been very very curious in his lifetime, <laughs> and when when and let me let me preface that with being more specific about his curiosity. Is that in terms of learning a new skill? So one of the more recent skills and things that you've learned, and I really really want to pick your brain on this. Yeah, is that. Actually, a couple of things. And this is why I mentioned that this guy is multi-talented and very introspective because as of recent, you've really, really picked up your Italian, being in Milan for all that time. Yeah. You've learned to play the drums, which you've never, ever played in your life. Yeah. So, you committed to, to that skill and you also learned a new sport and working on finessing it, which is boxing. Yeah, and that's probably been the one that I've focused my, the most of my effort on. Yeah, I'm going to say thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take your compliment. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's something that I've always found natural though. So in a way, I almost feel unjustified in you know receiving that compliment because there are other things that I I think some people who maybe struggle to you know stay curious and 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 strive to learn and you know, new skills and all that sort of thing. They often have other skill sets that I that I lack, you know, organization and consistency, a lot of those types of things, you know. But yeah, I've really enjoyed picking up those those various things. There were things that I had interest in, well, save for Italian, because Italian was situational. I never really wanted to learn Italian. But boxing and drumming were, were something that I always had an affinity for. Uh, as a youngster, like I remember, I, I and I was always just banging things, and you know, restless leg syndrome. I don't know either either desire to drum or some kind of medical condition. But basically, I've I've always wanted to make noise and make music, and um, I play the piano. And I never got a drum set because was, they're so loud, and I never had the money for a, an electric kit. And so anyway, eventually I had the money and and went for it. And the same with boxing. Uh, Boxing is a different one. Boxing is is a really it's a really tough one to get into. I think, like all martial arts, and I have a lot of respect for people who um, who take it, you know, obviously further than me as well. Because at the moment, I'm just training and enjoying it. But um, that's one we I don't know. My ego certainly kicked in there. If you want to talk about ego, it was really hard to um, to step into that boxing gym knowing that I wasn't going to be good, and also the intimidation of that environment. You know? yep. And as a man, I think no man wants to be put in a position where he is looks, you know, weak 
or that he can't defend himself or, mm. you know. And that's where you have to take it back because you have to let yourself to become vulnerable to be able to learn and progress. That goes back to what we're talking about, survival and replication. Why would you put yourself in a situation where from the outside looking in, you're putting yourself in a ring to be beaten up? Yeah. But then for the people that can appreciate the sport, the the more intricate part of boxing is that there are skills to be learnt and there's many things that you can become better at. It's not just being put in the ring and just to be beaten up or beating up the other guy. There's more to it. No, 100%. You know, I think I have a lot of friends now who are boxers. Well, let's just say but Vu was a boxer. So Vu actually was the one who got me into boxing. You're no longer doing it, you know, at that level. But yeah, Vu got me interested and excited about boxing and he would show me fights, you know, show me Mayweather fights and there was these HBO specials. What do they call them? 24-7? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I found that really interesting back in the day, maybe, you know, eight years ago. And uh, yeah, but, but I have so many friends who are boxers other than Vu, you know, and they're such, they're just, they're, you know, normal people. They just have a sport that they love. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for them because, you know, for those of you out there that have sparred or put yourself in those positions or fought, it's, um, you know, and I've never fought, but I have sparred. It's, it's, it's hard and um, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of dedication. Yeah, but, you know, in life, in terms of why would you do that, you know, it's a risk-reward thing. You know it's a risk in a, in a situation of survival and replication in – uh, you know, let's say in the old old days when you're in tribes and all that sort of thing, like going risking for the bisking, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, taking a risk. There's you, you don't take stupid risks. Okay, there's no there's no benefit to stepping on the road in front of a bus and seeing if you can get out in time. Okay, maybe some mental benefits. I don't know, but. That's I don't condone that, everyone. Don't do that. Um, but there are benefits to putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and pushing your body, but you need to be measured about it. And I think in my experience in, in coming to a very good environment, a very nice boxing gym, um, is is that it's not it's very measured it's it's not dangerous at all you know it's as dangerous as life is you know <laughs> you have to take some risks but yeah it's been a really it's been a really fun journey yeah and it sounds like it and i, I just get so much because i'm not actively fighting or participating in the sport as i did you know eight years ago or, or whatever it was is that i get so much enjoyment just hearing your learning journey and your progress and you know someone that can understand the sport on an intricate level i can really appreciate that and i can really appreciate that when you take that next step or that when you land that one punch and i think it's a really cool thing and contrary to what you know general perception is a boxing gym or boxing or any sort of combat sport is anything from being egoic oh yeah it's the most humbling environment you can you can possibly be in you know and unless you're i don't know very very large and 
naturally talented and you've got no one to teach you a lesson. But I was taught a lesson very early and, and I wasn't even coming in with an ego. I was well aware. I'm, I'm naturally hyper aware of, I guess, like dangerous situations. So I over, you know, I, tend, I can overthink those and that's part of the reason why I wanted to go is just to feel a little bit more comfortable in that regard. But yeah, the, I've been taught so many lessons and you just realize you can't judge a book by its cover and there's such a cognitive element to the sport of boxing and you know to all all the martial arts especially the ones where you are encountering you know another human and you're sparring that's something I love about it you know I used to play soccer and that's actually how Vu and I met we used to play soccer and I love soccer but it's a different it's a different situation. It's a different way of learning. So soccer, if you can get the ball in the back of the net, you know, it's, it's all good. But in boxing, it's about how you do everything. You know, it's about, okay, yeah, nice, yeah, you, nice jab, but you left your hand too far down and you're exposed or your shoulder was too low. Or, um, you know, after you did that great thing, you just stood there and waited for, you know, someone to, to punch you back. And that's what I enjoy about it, that element of flow where you have to be so focused. And that is heightened when you're sparring, as you know, and, and probably even more so when you're fighting. Because you can't even take a second to think about anything. You know, Whenever I've, I've dropped my guard and thought about something or looked at the time or whatever, I've, I get hit. And so it's, it's sort of like touching a hot oven. A hot, oven you you realize okay i can't do that again and so you, you yep. learn to be immersed in, in flow yeah and you would have to learn pretty quickly because it's not nice no it's you not know. a great feeling no <laughs> there are better things there's things i enjoy more than but but, but if face. anything it teaches you pretty much accountability and pretty much 110 percent accountability because you are in there with one other person and there is no there's nothing else that can intervene in, in a sense yeah in a that, sense, exactly. you know it, it's it's like you've got full control in, in some respect and that's why fights are, are won because one boxer has <clears throat> more control over the way they exhibit their self um the way they preserve their energy the way mm. they manipulate the other fighter is because it's that accountability uh, and that control. Yeah. So are you really enjoying that that part of I'm the, loving the sport? It. I'm loving. Yeah. I I love you know spending half an hour working on something and kind of just forgetting that time was a thing. You know, just yeah, getting into that flow state. And I enjoy I enjoy knowing that it's it's keeping me fit and and uh teaching me lessons i guess that could you know hopefully hopefully not but could be helpful you know in real life and i have noticed in real life and you're probably the same but just the more that you spend time i guess being uh in contact with uh with danger and adversity and you know i guess violence um the calmer you are in other situations and i feel like i'm much less likely to be in an altercation because i am more calm in those situations what a paradox yeah it's weird isn't it and it doesn't work for everyone some boxes are a bit hot-headed yeah yeah but if you come at it from the right place um 
I think it can only do well. Yeah. And I think that's all about pushing the boundaries and the more that you can consciously make yourself uncomfortable that when you are faced with with the situation where it's a bit outside your control and it sort of raises alarm bells and you're feeling uncomfortable you're able to stay a lot calmer and level-headed in that situation and i think that can only benefit your life the more you can you know sort of challenge yourself and push boundaries in in sort of every respect in your life yeah absolutely and you never know when when something's going to help you know forget boxing just whatever whatever skill you're learning i think you know to to go on a very slight tangent whatever you're passionate about and interested in and curious about just do it because you don't because you will do it better than anything else that you're going to do because you're curious and and your, your your dedication is you need to be dedicated to be successful and dedication can come from many different forms you know you can love what you're doing and that's what i'm i guess being a proponent for right now but also it could come from various places it could come from not having options you know someone like mike tyson who i'm sure he loved uh, boxing but you know from the interviews that i've seen of him it's very much like he had he didn't have a lot going for him you know he was a really scared individual he was he used to get bullied he was like you wouldn't the, think huh no you wouldn't think especially because he was like 100 kilos at 14 years old or whatever but he he was a, a scaredy cat and um he came into that environment and he had no father figure so his coach customato became his father figure um, and he didn't have a lot of other things going for him, I guess. So my point is there are different ways to to come to the, um, the dedication place, but um, love and curiosity is a good place to come from. And you never know. Yeah, you'll never know where that's going to take you. So once people find that love and dedication and want to hone in on a new skill what sort of tips have you got for people based on your experiences to really make the most of their learning? Mm, I think if they're there, they've done 80% of the work. You know, if they've honored that call to something, they will naturally approach it in a way that will cause them, you know, to um, to absorb the information quickly. Um and so just on that, I guess that's a bit different to when you were back in school and you're forced to wake up and go to school every day. But whereas if you're picking a, a hobby or extracurricular activity or skill, you're pretty much already invested your time and energy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would just say, you know, don't get disheartened when you inevitably realize that you are horrible at it. Because, <laughs> and that comes in waves. I, when I started boxing, I realized very quickly I wasn't good at it. And, you know, compared to obviously people who, who are good, you know, that's their craft. And it's frustrating because usually when you love something, you admire it and you want to be that, you know, like if you, if you love painters and you start painting and you're like, man, look at, look at whoever's painting and look at mine. It's like, I'm not enjoying this. I don't like what I'm seeing, but you just have to stick through that and trust, trust that everyone starts there. So that would be, the, that would be, I guess, my main advice as someone who's gone through that a few times in the last year with the various things that I've been picking up and then sometimes you think you're doing great and then it'll hit you again and even my coach you know coach Roger 
was saying that you know every now and then he feels like he doesn't know anything about boxing which is ridiculous to me because he's he's very knowledgeable and he's very very experienced i think he's been boxing 12 years he's won various titles you know he's got plenty of credibility but that was reassuring because uh, we're all we're all going to feel like that and if you don't feel like that i mean i don't know what you're doing if you don't feel like that that's not life you're never fully comfortable with anything and if you are it's not worth having yeah and i think that's the mindset that got you know, your coach Roger and anyone who's ever successful in the field to where they are is that contentment is not thinking that you are too good to put any additional work and you can just stay where you are right now. Yeah, for sure. Contentment's a funny one, you know, because a lot of successful people have probably, you know, have have expressed their lack of contentment. But but some haven't. Some have been content in a, in a certain way, and I think contentness is a is a dynamic place. It's a, I guess what I mean is it's not a place you are. It's a place you're going, or it's a movement. It's a vector. It's um, a trajectory. So I don't know. I try to define my success and my contentment by by movement, by the desire to learn, or by the acceptance of responsibilities moving forward and um continued learning i try to do that you know it's hard to to put into practice but i don't define my success by a place that i've been because in very at various times in my life i have been i guess successful at something or for my age or in my field and it's never brought you know, everyone's been successful at something you know and it's it, it, if you think about it, it doesn't bring a deep sense of contentment because you did it it's because of how you did it it's because of the journey it's because of that adventure i think you know yeah i i totally agree and it's, it's very on the same trajectory as happiness is that it's not a destination and that it's a journey and and when you understand that it's a journey and that it's a lifelong journey then you are able to become more present in that journey and i think that's absolutely everything yeah and it makes it much easier as soon as you accept that it's a journey and that you won't always be happy or you've got to take responsibility for your happiness uh you know moment by moment as much as that sounds like kind of a a bummer because you can't get there it makes it easier you become happier and yeah it's it's all an understanding and a mindset i think you know when we're talking about contentment when we're talking about happiness uh when we're talking about the ego and and all those things it's all about cultivating the type of mindset that will get you along in life and pretty much give you the best outcomes possible in any situation in learning a skill in your professional life in you know personal relationships and friendships and stuff like that is that I feel like all these things are interlinked yeah, and that it's not just, they're, they're all branch off into, you know, ego, into learning a skill, into contentment, into happiness, but they're all <clears throat> something that you're continuously evolving and cultivating because, yeah, once again, it's, 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 a, it's a philosophy. It's, yeah, it's, that's what we're talking about. We're not really talking about any any particulars here. It's, it's just a philosophy of of life and hopefully you know coming to that dynamic place of contentment 
Otherwise, why would you do anything? You know, I guess you want to, it's important to give back and we want to give back as well, but that gives a sense of contentment too. So it's, it's all comes to that place where contentment and contentment's not always comfortable either. I think sometimes contentment is, you know, you ever feel happy because you're confused or something or you're challenged and you go, okay, this is kind of sucks or whatever, but this is exciting. This is life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just the prospect of challenges of learning. Um, and it's just that they say that it's, it's that level of slight uncomfortable that, that you're in as opposed to being so comfortable that you just want to sit on your butt and absolutely do nothing and just, you know, and that, that can be a really dangerous place because, mm. and I'm sure you've heard about it before as well, is that, you know, people are, are sometimes comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You get used to it. Yeah. And even even that is dynamic. You know, there's there's periods in your life where you can start becoming comfortable with, with being uncomfortable and then slack off and all of a sudden you're not anymore again. And um, the thing about comfort is discomfort is a part of life. It's 100% coming. So at all points in your life, you know, it's around the corner and that sounds dire but if you think about it in the sense of like let's say weightlifting, if the discomfort can be akin to the the weight that you have to lift. And let's say you do no training, you're just, you know, I guess lazing around and uh, you know one day there's going to be this heavy weight you have to lift and you're not going to be able to do it. But if you purposefully expose yourself to discomfort on a regular basis at your own leisure, you can mitigate the discomfort of that big event. And that's that goes for not just physical things, it goes for mental, emotional things, spiritual things. If you look after yourself, if you do the uncomfortable things, if you take meditation as an example, that is uncomfortable a lot of the time. It's an inconvenience. But the way I look at it, it's it's um, making a future emotional or yeah, emotional event easier. Yeah. Because I've built up the muscles necessary to lift that weight. And I think that really comes down to a few things. So, is about preparation. Yeah. So, preparing for that future event or the hypothetical uncomfortable is the consistency, is being able to consistently expose yourself and be willing to expose yourself to the uncomfortable feeling so that you are better equipped to deal with it and one last thing is it's a very conscious act is to expose yourself to that knowing that it will make you a better person and i don't think a lot of people can do that yeah i think i think everyone can but they don't no because it's easier being comfortable yeah it's definitely easier and i think that when you again it comes from i think it comes from everyone's experienced hardship you know so i don't think it's a lack of experience a lot of people you know in their 30s and 40s perhaps still haven't learned this lesson it's not because they haven't gone through hardships if you're 30 or 40 someone's died that you love someone you know things have happened but it's a it's a lack of education on the way you can 
avoid that feeling or that result. And, you know, it is by exposing yourself to uncomfortable situations. And that's something that you're very good at. You know, your consistency is unparalleled. Like I I haven't ever been as consistent as you have, like let's say with your workouts. And how do you... How do you motivate yourself to stay consistent year round? Because it's easy to do when you're feeling good. Yeah, that's a actually a really, really good question. Have you spoken about your, your workouts or anything? No, I haven't. Stuff? So why, why don't you just, for the sake of bringing that up, like how many workouts have you done uninterrupted? That will give away all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. This podcast is all about sharing value and as much as information as possible. So I'm the willing, old view wouldn't have told you. <laughs> no, but the new view, view the the more the non egotistical view will will tell you. So yeah, I think it's been like you know over 400 and something workouts now that I've done. And to to go back on your question of you know how do I do it and how do i stay consistent when it's easy and and i think i i learned from experience enough is that when you're feeling great you're feeling energized you're feeling motivated i think that's the best time to set in habits and okay set it in stone right and not habits that's gonna derail you because that's also another part of it is that mm. when I've felt amazing felt motivated felt on top of the world like I can tackle anything I just do these you know set these goals and uh, because they're so far-fetched and they are akin to my motivation level at the time when that motivation wanes then so are those actions yeah so when I'm motivated and feeling on top of the world I guess how I tackle that is to set habits and processes in place that will enable me to continue doing those things even when my motivation is low. Okay, so that's the key is is setting up the right environment. Correct. And not unrealistic goals or habits. So I'll give you one example. So we are pretty much in winter right now in melbourne australia and i'm sort of regretting leaving that window open because i'm sort of feeling the the cold chills going it's getting cold right now <laughs> when i initially started my sort of my workout habits was when the in, during summer yeah when the sun was shining and you know you're waking up and you're feeling energized and you're feeling good your vitamin d levels are topped up and you're feeling motivated mm. and that was pretty much the, the end of last year, beginning of this year was when I said, you know what, I'm going to put a few habits in place. And one of those few habits was starting meditation, yep. um, which, you know, I continue to do till today and also my workouts. Mm. So, and I guess with, with my workouts, I, I sort of started it, but then I kept it very simple and very... Um, you know, idiot proof. Right. Like on purpose. Yeah. On purpose. And it got to a point where I was like, this is too damn easy. But then something in my head or from experience, I said, don't change it. Yeah. I remember you speaking about this years ago, how your your desire to come to a, a consistent place. 
and and you found that and you found that through this kind of um staggered achievable um habit introduction sort of thing yeah and my, my attitude on it was that if this is something that i want to do for the rest of my life because it will be beneficial for, for my health and for my mind then it needs to be something that i can do consistently not when something i can only do for three days of the week when i'm feeling super motivated and had the best sleep ever but something that i can do when i'm feeling off and you know slightly depressed or lack mm. of sleep and with that sort of impetus in mind i decided to practice consistency you know over perfection yeah well and the results have shown you know i think um that's something that i definitely could could take a leaf out of your book from because i i am a little more erratic in that sense i like to you know when i get excited the hardest thing about what you do is actually in my opinion is not is not the getting up on the bad days it's the it's the self-restraint on the good days you know that's that's tough man because when i get excited I get, I get so excited man i want to do it all i want to train you know when i started boxing I was training for an hour and a half two hours at the start and i and i ruined my hands on the heavy bags you know yeah whereas if i had said okay all right that was that was good three rounds on yep. the bags i feel good now's a good time to stop yeah um i probably wouldn't have had to take that you know six weeks off for example yeah and look to be honest that came from experience mm. is that doing what you did is that you know when i was feeling motivated and and hella good just going all out and then my body you know um burning out as a result and from from that experience i took that you know it it, it pays off more mm. when it is consistent as opposed to you know, quick burst or high burst of, of activity every now and then. Yeah, it's probably a lesson um, you could learn in uh, in investing, like I guess uh, compound interest, that sort of thing. Like, you know, 10 bucks a week is better than, I don't know. Really I don't know what it's better than, really, okay? Really <laughs> don't test my maths. <laughs> but it's better than something, yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, with, with all that being said, I think, you know, we, we spent quite a lot of time talking about quite a few interesting and very introspective topics, but sort of to, to wrap it up and to, to I guess, to, to conclude, like with, with all that being said and where you're at right now, what's the future aspirations and dreams for, for Anthony? Yeah, right now I'm, I'm still enjoying my work. You know, we didn't really actually speak about it much, which is which is a good thing. It means we had a good conversation. But um, I I'm still enjoying my work. Uh, it's it's something that um, you're never fully comfortable with, but I'm a lot more comfortable with it. So I'm finding myself looking for that discomfort elsewhere, and um, I'm enjoying uh, writing music again. I used to uh, I used to write music, and I've I've sort of got back to that, and I'm on a bit of a video venture at the moment as well so I sort of I've got a project that I'm uh, that I'm running at the moment which is kind of documenting people that I admire and um and what they're passionate about um so I've got a few things in the work there I've just released one actually on one of my boxing coaches and uh, and that's a lot of fun and again you know it's it comes back to what I was saying before about my philosophy anyway being that you should you should do what you're enjoying and what you're passionate about because you don't know where that's going to take you you know it's very easy for me to 
uh, overthink it and say, well, you know, should I go back to uni or should I do this and that? But in the end, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So I'm just going to, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll be on a podcast another time and I'll have, yeah. I'll have something else to tell you. But th- those are the things that I'm pursuing. And, and work, work at the moment in terms of modeling, I might be traveling back overseas uh, next year to, well, we'll see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Because Anthony might be like, you know, I'm, 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 I've traveled enough this year. And then the next week, hey, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm zipping off to Milan. I'm like, cool story. I'll, um, I'll uh, try to catch a dinner with you before then. Yeah. Yeah. And we look after each other. We do. FaceTime is a blessing, you know? Yeah. No, that's good. So I guess, yeah, man, just uh, keep doing what you're doing pursue your your passions and pretty much flow with wherever your creative energy is is sort of showing you where where it requires attention and i think that's so key because a lot of people find themselves in dead-end jobs or dead-end hobbies or things that they think that i need to be doing because i've been doing it for so long and they get stuck in this perpetual sort of treadmill like that you know that they've already committed so then therefore they can't change and do something different yeah yeah i think you're probably more qualified to talk on that than me because my job is a little more i have i have downtime and then other times i'm super busy um but when i have the downtime it's very easy for me to consider those other things but i think you know you'd probably agree with this whatever you're doing um if you're not enjoying it you know slowly try to introduce things that you do enjoy and and um, develop habits uh, that are going to benefit you in the future and explore you know new ways of learning because knowledge is is sellable you know if you if you know a lot about something you can usually sell it so if you have a hobby that you're really really passionate about yeah you can you can capitalize on that yeah and finally something that i ask every single person that I interview on my podcast, what is one effortless tip that you can give everyone listening right now on how to live a more effortless life? A more effortless life. Well, we, we kind of spoke about it, but what I would reiterate, um, which is probably my, the most important kind of philosophy that I keep in my mind, is to regularly put yourself in positions of discomfort or, or get out of your comfort zone because that's where the magic happens. That's where you learn and that's how you avoid, you know, it's not effortless in that, you know, everything in life requires some effort, but you will, you will be at a more even level of effort over time than, you know, doing nothing and all of a sudden, you know, getting hit with that weight that we spoke about, which is coming. It's always, you know, there's always going to be roadblocks. So, yeah, I would say get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Front load the hard work. Yeah. So, you can ride the wave of less discomfort. I like that. We're <laughs> surfing now. We're coming into summer here. And just one more thing, man. What, what are you um, grateful for right now in your life? Right now? Uh, right now, I'm grateful for... It's a good question. Well, I'm really grateful for this conversation, for you having me on here. Um, but I feel like that's an obvious answer Um, i'm grateful for the time that i've had off at the moment because it's been a bit of a a slow period and it's come at the right time for me i just needed a little break needed to take care of um 
Numero uno. Numero uno. And so I'm grateful for that. Awesome. And for people that's interested in everything that we talked about today and want to connect with you, uh, what sort of platforms are you on and where can people get in touch if, if they want to, to have a chat or maybe ask a few things about learning Italian? Yeah, about learning Italian. My Italian's it's still pretty average, but um, you can find me. Probably the best place is on Instagram. My handle is at Anthony Salamitas, just, you know, one word. And yeah, I think that's probably the best place to find me. Yeah. How do you spell Salamitas? It's S-E-L-E-M-I-D-I-S. Because I always get it wrong. So <laughs> After f- how many years did we say? 13 years? True, true. I I've never what- misspelled new in once. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm so grateful that we had this conversation. And it's not the first time we had this conversation as well. But I guess to have it on the podcast and have it recorded and have the world listening on you know, what deep conversations or one of the many that we have is is so, so cool. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to, to have the medium to do that and also to have the person sitting aside from, you know, the room to me to be able to, to talk about all these introspective topics. So I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. And hopefully, you know, people, I don't know, people enjoy it and get something out of it. Yeah, yeah, you know where it's at. Anyways, this is the effortless man and Anthony Selamitis. You know how to say my name. <laughs> <laughs> I made it awkward now. Okay. Signing out. We're going to have a chat off camera. Until the next one. Off mic. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you really enjoyed the conversation between Anthony and I. I enjoy so much going so deep on so many different topics with him. And if you didn't enjoy it, Hopefully, if nothing more, you enjoyed just two guys, best mates, having genuine conversation with each other and letting their curiosity lead the way. So, if you enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe to my sassy voice to be notified when a new episode is released. I really appreciate you as always and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.